You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Cynthia Tulin Wilson, and I'm here with Father Lawrence Tucker from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And he's going to talk to us about new song, the main part. How are you, Father? Well, I'm doing fine, uh, Dr. Tulin. Uh, all is well. So we're releasing singles, and this okay. is the first single that uh, we've released. It's called The Main Part. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the group is called Brother Sister. We took the title from, uh, we took our cues really for the title from the Pope Francis uh, mm-hmm. time as Pope. You know, we're, you know, looking at his his documents, uh, Evangelii Gaudium, Laudato Si, and then... Mm-hmm. And more to the point would be Fratelli Tutti, where uh, Francis has always been speaking about the importance of and the beauty of fraternity, a big part mm-hmm. of Franciscan spirituality and really a big part of, of our Catholic and Christian spirituality. And mm-hmm. so we would just move to uh, name the group Brother Sister. And so that's the name of the group. It's me. I'm the songwriter, and then we have Deirdre Broderick, who is a well-known uh, pianist, uh, bass player, uh, songwriter, musician. She does keyboards. She's an incredible singer, mm-hmm. and she has done her own music, which is on the Internet at her website, and she also has done uh, movie scores and mm-hmm. also uh, Broadway plays and, and musical uh, events in Manhattan. She's done the music for them. Mm-hmm. And then there's David Spinoza, who's a, a legendary uh, guitarist, one of the best guitarists alive. Wow. And he has also has his own jazz uh, albums out, and he recorded with some of the biggest names in pop music, with uh, the Beatles. He recorded with John Lennon, Paul McCartney, oh, uh, Ringo Starr. Mm-hmm. He recorded with John Denver, B.B. Um, King, Aretha Franklin, Rod Stewart, Barry Manilow, Paul Simon, James wow. Taylor, Carly Simon, on and on and on. So he, he does the guitars and the music. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's Frank Dickinson, who's a well-known percussionist, and he has his own studio, and he does mastering for uh, various recording, musical recordings and stuff. And he's also an expert in the music industry. So between the four of us, we're brother-sister, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and we're producing music that we hope will be uh, uh, really music for the new evangelization, for the times we're living in. It's, we like to think of it as a unique combination of contemplative depth and missionary spunk. Mm. So uh, that's, uh, and so the, the latest in our, in our music, the latest uh, composition is called The Main Part, and it's on the Brother Sister website. Uh-huh. Okay. That is interesting. I didn't um, realize that you were also a musician. That's that's uh, impressive. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Tolan. Yeah, it's something I've been doing ever since I was a little boy, since I, I started uh, playing guitar when I was around 10. Mm-hmm. And the whole story of my, my musical past and present is, is on the website. But, you know, one of the things that is kind of interesting in my own situation, uh, Dr. Tolan, was that during high school, 
of course, I was still playing guitar. Uh, but up until high school, I was playing by ear. I never studied music and oh, yeah. took guitar lessons, but I was playing. I had a, a, a classical nylon string guitar that I loved, and I was playing it. But when I was in high school, I started to take music lessons uh, in terms of really not so much guitar lessons specifically, but music lessons in, in terms of learning to write music. And I did. During high school, I I know I knew how to read and write music, and I did I did read and I did write some music. But uh, after high school, as I started moving towards the priesthood, I uh, you know went to college as everyone priest has to go to college. So I was in college and stuff, but I kind of fell away from music. I just sort of left it in the background of my life because I was focusing on on other things. And so it wasn't until uh, I was around 50 years old, I'm 65 now, but when I was 50 years old, I started uh, playing guitar again. I, I got a guitar, someone gave me a guitar. And so for that whole length of time, from say like around college age until I was around 50 years old, and the seasoned missionary priest, having started missions, having served in missions in, in developing nations and such, having learned Spanish and on ministry in Spanish. Mm-hmm. All that time, which was, gosh, like 30 years at least, I didn't read music and I didn't write music and I very rarely even played guitar. Only, you know, if I was in a parish where there was a guitar, I might pick it up and play it a little bit, or if I was at someone's house where there was a guitar. But I didn't own a guitar. And so net result, the term was that when I started playing again, I had completely forgotten how to read and write music. I mean, gone completely. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing songs, but I wasn't able to write the lead sheet, the musical lead sheet for it that other musicians could work from. And so by God's providence, I was doing a mission appeal in rural Connecticut, and the person... Uh, the, 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 how would you say it, the uh, choir mistress mm-hmm. was a young woman by the name of Deirdre Broderick, who was a professional mu- musician and at ah. the top of, uh, you know, her trade in the music industry. So I met her, and I asked her if I sent her the music, you know, if I did a little uh, recording of the music uh, of me playing the song and wrote out the lyrics with the chords and stuff and sent it to her, would she write up the lead sheets for me? And she said that she'd be happy to do that. And so, yeah, so it was wonderful. So she actually, uh, all of my songs, she wrote the music, uh, or the lead sheet, I I wrote the music, but I mean, she she drew up the charts, as they're called in the trade, but other uh, other people call them lead sheets. So she already knew the music. And so when it came time to, uh, where I was thinking to record this music, she had mentioned along the way that she had a professional studio in her home in rural mm-hmm. Connecticut. So she mentioned uh, that she had a studio. So I asked her if she would want to get into recording these songs. Mm-hmm. And so she did. And so we formed this little band because she's a dynamic Catholic herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the latest uh, song, the single called The Main Part, the picture, mm-hmm. when you release a single on, an in, on a website, you want... Just like, you know, if you have an album, you want some sort of an attractive picture or painting or photo or whatever for the album cover. Well, 
when you release a single, you want the same thing for the single. And so the beautiful picture on the website of the single uh, that represents the single, the beautiful picture of this like sort of beautiful uh, little mountains uh, with sort of fall foliage colors and a little lake, that mm. picture is what you would see uh, out of Meryl Streep's living room. <laughs> That's Wow. They call it that Meryl Streep's Lake. I don't really know if it's our lake, but I mean it's it's mm-hmm. right there. So Wow. That's just an aside. It, it's just but it's oh, a very it's nice cool, Yeah, it's interesting. And it's a very yeah. beautiful, um, very contemplative, uh, peaceful, uh, placid, you know, serene image and it and uh Deirdre actually chose it and I confirmed it that it really speaks to the message of the song because the, the song, the main part, is about how God in our life is the main part, <clears throat> but he's not just the main part of our life. He's the main part within us. In other mm-hmm. words, God in our life is the main part because he actually dwells within us and he's the very foundation of our being, of our, of our interior life. Uh, and, and so that's what the song is, is addressing, uh, Dr. Tolan. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, and, you know, he's actually the center of our existence. Without him, we wouldn't even be. So that's, you know, um, pretty profound. So I'm looking at the internet here trying to find your website. It's yeah, it's brothersister.net. .net. Okay, and it's one word for brother-sister, right? And one continuous word, brother-sister, uh, lower denomination, as it were, brother-sister.net. And you'll see the, this uh, picture for the album that comes up. And then you just scroll down a little bit, and you have all your options, you know, music. But if you just scroll down, you'll see, you don't have to go anywhere. You just scroll down, and you'll see the, the new single, oh, yeah. uh, the yeah. main part. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the idea of the song uh, was that if, we, if you look around, and of course as you as a theology professor and myself as a, as a missionary priest, we're, we're trying to observe what's going on in the world around us, in our society, in our culture, with regard to the values of faith and spiritual life and such. And one of the things I've observed, and many others have observed as well, is that people you know, for many years now, but probably for the whole of history, but I'm just saying in our society in particular, there's really been a, a sea change in this, in this perspective, in this, uh, where people are, tend to be looking for God, or seem to be looking for God, but in all the wrong places. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't this something that is observable, where yes. people think that, if they have a lot of things, okay, materialism, if they have the best and the most current with regard to whatever it is, a a house, a car, technology, if they have the best things and a lot of things and every comfort and convenience that you can afford to get your hands on, if you have all of these things, uh, then... uh, you know, that's where you're going to find uh, a replacement for God, you know. And, mm-hmm. and um, or if, if they take the hedonist route, usually they take both routes, materialism and hedonism. Or yeah. if they take the hedonist route, if you have as much pleasure as possible, all the 
gourmet foods, if you belong to the best gym, if you have all the best of, you know, the things that bring us pleasure, and maybe that would be, uh, you know, sensual pleasures of whatever sort, uh, maybe drugs, uh, maybe uh, very expensive uh, vacations that pamper you to the max, uh, even just your home and the things that you do uh, that pamper you in every regard. The, the toys that people have nowadays are so expensive, you know, four-wheelers, uh, you know, just whatever. Uh, and so you go this hedonist route where it's all about pleasure and it's all about avoiding any type of inconvenience or any type of, oh, my gosh, I don't even know if I can say it on the air, any type of pain or suffering, you know, that's, I mean, taboo. You just have to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so they go that route thinking that, oh, that'll be a great replacement for this whole God thing, you know. That'll fill up my life. All the material things, all the pleasures with all of those things, who needs God? I've got everything a person could possibly need. And then what happens? They find out that they become enslaved to those things, and they begin to lose their freedom. They Mm -hmm. begin to lose uh, a sense of dignity, a sense Mm -hmm. of identity, a sense of who they actually are within, and they become sad. Very often, they become actually uh, depressed, and sometimes very seriously depressed, mm-hmm. even suicidal, because everything that they thought would bring them uh, happiness, the mm-hmm. happiness that would replace the happiness and, and the true happiness that God brings, mm-hmm. uh, money, a huge bank account, oh, I have everything now, oh, I've got so much money in the bank, gosh, I don't even think I have to work anymore, oh, gosh, life is so good to me. After they have all of those things, they realize that actually they don't have anything because the main thing, as we say in my song, the main part, they've Mm -hmm. completely left it out. They don't even know what it is anymore. They're lost. And sometimes it's very hard for them to find their way back. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the song is addressing, is that this whole propensity to become lost mm-hmm. and to forget that God lives within and he radiates his love within us. And that's the main part. That's the very foundation of our life. Yes. Um, I originally was trained as a sociologist. That's what my dog oh. And I have to say that there's not one thing that you said that I wouldn't agree with, even yeah, as a wow. you know, because uh, people pursue and pursue and pursue, and it's like there's always something newer, something different, something better. So they mm-hmm. never rest until they have so much. I mean, that's, you know, when you look at the uh, this new industry called storage sheds, you know, that's you rent so much for a month, you know, and pay so much rent and store mm-hmm. your stuff there. And, you know, there's stories of people going in and saying, gee, you know, I forgot I had that, you know, oh, or they gosh. the same thing twice because they've forgotten. So, oh, it, um, yeah, it's just very odd, you know. It's, um, yeah, yeah well, and it's, um, it's really it's self-destructive uh, because, mm-hmm. you just pointed out, it, it becomes the chase for uh, to fill up the vacuum that uh, is created by the absence of God, whom we were made mm-hmm. for. 
So the chase to fill the unfillable void just goes on and on and on and becomes an all-consuming, frenetic chase Mm -hmm. that is never-ending. It's almost like a curse. You know, it's almost like something that the more you chase it, it's like a dog chasing his tail. The more you chase it, the less close, that doesn't even sound right, but but the further away you get from it. The more you chase it, the further you get from it, and the more frustrated, the more despondent, Mm -hmm. The soul becomes, and it creates not just frustration, it creates a kind of a, a low-level, seething kind of anger at life itself where you get this, this almost like globalized discontent within the person. They become just, just basically unhappy. They lose their serenity, and uh, they become uh, frustrated, and it affects their relationships, all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wonder why they're not finding satisfaction, even in uh, close friendships or even in marriage itself, uh, because what happens is that this, uh, this void that cannot be filled, and yet this frenetic chase to fill it uh, becomes so distracting that the person really can't focus anymore and becomes more and more superficial and in spiritual terms, they become externalized. In other words, the interior life is just sort of, you know, wiped out. It's really just, it's gone, it's eviscerated, and the person becomes a very externalized personality. And when that happens, a crudeness kind of sets in, a a rudeness, a crudeness. The person becomes materialized and externalized, and uh, their heart becomes hardened, and mm-hmm. they, in, their, in their spirit and their soul, they become cold and indifferent to the suffering around them. And this is just not a good thing for society because we, we depend on one another. Society is, you know, as Aristotle pointed out, you know, man is a, is a social being. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we, we depend on one another. We enjoy one another. We're basically made for one another. I mean, we know we're made essentially for God, but within yeah. that matrix of being made for God is that we, we, we love one another. We're brothers and sisters. But mm-hmm. what happens when your heart becomes frozen and externalized and cold and hardened and indifferent? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can see it. You can see it in the world around us, in society around us. You can see that it's all about me. I have yeah. to take care of myself, and you better do the same thing because, heck, I'm not looking out for you, yeah. and I don't think anyone else is. So, like, it's every man for himself, you know, just, you know, take out, you know, make sure you take care of yourself, and everything I have, well, that's mine. You know, don't ask me for anything. I'm not, I remember uh, Dr. Tool and I was reading, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I was reading the autobiography of the founder of Walmart and Sam's Club, Mm-hmm. I kind of forget his name. I think it's something like Sam Walton or something like that. I, 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 don't I just don't remember the actual name, but he's, he's a very famous person. Everybody knows him. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's a multi-billionaire. And mm-hmm. in any case, so in this, uh, I believe it was an autobiography. It might have been a biography. But in any case, he's quoted the person. He's doing an interview, and the person says, you know, you're, at that time he was really one of the wealthiest people in the world. Right now, I think he's fallen behind the tech billionaires, but in any case, he's still a multi, multi-billionaire. So the mm-hmm. question was, what 
are you doing with all of this wealth? What are you doing uh, to help the less fortunate, to help the poor? Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Tillon, you and I are very involved in the church, and hopefully our listeners are as well, but mm-hmm. this might strike you uh, right away as unbelievable. It did me. So he said, what am I doing for the poor? He said, I started Walmart. That's all I do for the poor. <laughs> now, can you imagine? He made billions with mm-hmm. Walmart. Mm-hmm. But because of his avant-garde idea of have, you know, offering these things at almost wholesale prices and such, in a big box store, nothing like that had ever really been done on the scale that he did it. So he came mm-hmm. up with this business model and was super successful. Yes, it did help people. The prices were lower than just about any other place. So, yeah, he did help people. But he made billions with the idea. And so when asked, what are you doing for the poor? He said, nothing. I invented Walmart, Mark. That's all I'm doing for the poor. Hmm. So but, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, that's kind of an example of what I'm speaking to this you know, when you ingest, when you, when you jettison God and start ingesting materialism and hedonism, you become externalized, your heart becomes cold and hardened, and you end up saying things and doing things like the founder of Walmart. He wasn't, he didn't, you know, shy away from saying that. He believed in what he, he believed in what he said. He really thought he did something great for the poor, and that's the end of it. That's all I have to do. I'm done, and now I'll just enjoy my... My fortune, you know, and mm-hmm. so this is the world, uh, in a sense, that we're living in, and uh, so that's where I was inspired to write the song. That look, let's not let's not lose perspective altogether here. God is living within. That's mm-hmm. what gives man his dignity. That he is mm-hmm. beloved of God. Man is not just important. Important mm-hmm. is kind of like. You know, we kind of leave that behind. Man is beloved. He's so Mm -hmm. far above important. Important is my car. Yeah. My my car is important. My house is important. But you and I, we're beloved. We belong Mm -hmm. to an eternal Father who loves us unto death. He sent Jesus to die for us and and to to give us his spirit. And so Mm -hmm. we live from within and, and... and God is, to, is living and radiating his eternal life and his eternal love within us. And that's the main part of, of our inner life. And so I was, the, I was hoping that the song at the beginning of the year, we released it right now. I wrote the song, you know, maybe six weeks ago, even two months ago. But we released it now in the beginning of the year as a reminder to, to our listeners that, look, this is something you just don't want to forget. This is the highest priority, you know. And so the song starts out um, with uh, it, it, sort of a solemn little question. It's a musical statement, but it says, um, "I have." So, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, but Deirdre is Deirdre Broderick uh, from you know. She's the producer. She's the uh, keyboardist. She's the bassist, and she's also the vocalist. And what a voice! Her voice is just when you listen to the song you're going to hear a voice that you're going to say whoa this yeah. gal can really sing you know and and so mm-hmm. so the the song opens up with this little 
this little sort of uh, statement, this little phrase, this musical phrase where Deirdre says, um, um, I, have, I have just one question lingering in my soul. Tell me, Lord, where do you live? Now, it calls to mind uh, when Jesus was baptized, after he was baptized, and he went up onto the bank and he started walking away. Two disciples started following him and they said, Master, where do you live? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, come and see. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was calling to mind in writing that phrase, Jesus' invitation to co- go within. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. That's where I dwell. That's where I am. Go no. within yourself. Don't be afraid of what's there. There's nothing there. It's not a haunted house or something like that. Yeah, I'm there. I'm the foundation of your existence, as you pointed out in the beginning, uh, Dr. Tulin. Mm-hmm. You know, without God, we wouldn't even exist. And so right. don't be afraid to go within. Mm-hmm. That's where your peace is. That's where, that's, go within. You will meet me there. And I will guide you from that inner spot where we have communion. I will renew you. I will heal you. I will guide you. I will refresh you. I will teach you. I am the main part within you. And you are more than welcome there. I invite you to come and see where not just I live, but where you live. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we live. That's where we live from, is from that yeah. fountain of life uh, that springs up within us. Mm-hmm. So, that was, so the song opens up with that question, tell me, Lord, where do you live? So then there's mm-hmm. this little, uh, this little um, kind of opening melody based on a D chord, and then the song explodes into the main singer, of course, that's Deirdre. And she says, whenever I try to find you, so the singer is this person who's questioning. Mm-hmm. So the singer says, whenever I try to find you, I raise my head and I search the sky above me. And then the background singers chime right in at that point with, open my eyes to see you're living inside of me. In other words, Deidre is playing the part of the person who's searching, but in the wrong place. You know, you have people who search for God in ideas, like, um, you know, maybe some sort of great idea or some sort of theoretical God can can be the answer, you know. Uh, And so then, so the chorus says, open my eyes to see you're living inside of me. And so the vocalist then says, and when it's, when I'm about to give up, you know, after searching the sky above me, after searching in ideas and theories and all these sort of ethereal things that might might take the place of God, when I find there's nothing there, then when I'm about to give up, I bow my head and I search the ground below me. In other words, now I'm looking at the world around me and I'm looking into material things and into pleasures and everything the world can offer. And and I'm thinking, okay, that's going to do it. You know, that's where where I'll find the God replacement or, you know, maybe God's even there for all we know, you know. Maybe these uh, these uh, these sort of weird notions of God of being into the, in the material things, maybe it's true, you know. And so after looking at that level, the level, you know, below us, uh, the ground, as it were, the world, mm-hmm. and then the chorus chimes in again, open my eyes to see you're living inside of me. Mm-hmm. And then the singer says, all my life I've been wondering. And then the chorus comes in with wondering. And then the singer says, where could you be? 
you know, all my life I've been wondering, where could you be? Never did I imagine that you were so close to me and me so close to you. And then it breaks into the course. So the song is sort of, in a way I could say, it's sort of theatrical. It's showing a person who's searching and then finding and discover, discovering in the finding that actually what's happening is they're being found by God. In God's mercy, they're actually being found. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, you know, who would think you could get that much theology into into a song? That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of amazing, isn't it, how the Lord leads yeah. the musician, the songwriter's heart, you know, that... I have a lot of this, I think, Dr. Tulin, I have a lot of this built up. You know, I've been involved in the church since I was uh, a, a youngster, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So to speak, I'm a cradle Catholic. And, but yeah, certainly in religious life and in priesthood and in missionary life and stuff, I have a lot of these spiritual thoughts and feelings and observations, you know, just kind of there building up and... And so then when I feel moved to write a song, they just kind of flow, and they flow in a very concise uh, sort of poetic way, which is really uh, what you need for a song. A song is really poetry written to music, you know, because unless you're going to write, you know, 10 verses or something and have a very elaborate set of lyrics, you know, you, you want to put a lot into a few lyrics, you know, and because if the song is too long, now you're into something else, you know, you're into a Broadway musical or something, you know, so, you know, you want a song that is going to speak to the heart and is going to make its message and get to the point in as, in as few words as possible because the listener, the, the, the listener doesn't want, you know, a tome. They, they, they want something that, you know, is going to have a, a an impact, a hopefully a positive, deep impact in in a short time, and a, and in a, with a beautiful melody, a beautiful arrangement, which is Deirdre's part. I I write the the lyrics and the melody, the the music, and Deirdre is the one who comes up with the uh, the interpretation and the arrangement, the musical interpretation and the arrangement, and of course that's her forte. She's a master at that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, that's a whole other thing, uh, Dr. Tone, with regard to music. There's, there's a number of ways for a musician or composer to do music, and one way is to do it all yourself. You know, you write the music, music mm-hmm. you, you write the actual musical composition, the lyrics, and then you, you do the arrangement and you do the recording. You know, someone like, uh, someone like say, John Michael Talbot would do it that way. Of course, he, he can do it that way. He's... Mm-hmm. He's the singer, he's the musician, he's the songwriter, he's the recorder, he's got a studio there in Arkansas at the little portion Hermitage and you know, I mean he can do it all himself and that's that's mm-hmm. awesome, you know. And yeah. so that's one way to do it. Another mm-hmm. way is the way I do it, which is I I sort of consciously open the music up to other inputs from what I believe is the spirit. I want the spirit to have a way in to the composition. I don't want it to be just me. If right. I wanted to, uh, Dr. Tulin, I could have recorded the songs. There's a, there's a studio. I live in Corpus Christi right now. I'm on the border of Mexico and Laredo, Texas. But mm-hmm. Corpus, which is my main residence, 
there's a studio there that I was welcome to go to and to use, and I could have hired some studio musicians, and I could have done the arrangement, and I could have done the singing, and I could have played the guitar, and I could have got the other musicians to do percussion and keyboard. In other words, I could have done it all myself, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to. I, I yeah. knew Deidre. I met her. I know she knows some great uh, Christian and Catholic musicians. And so I wanted to open, I was moved by the Spirit to open the compositions up to the Spirit by allowing others to have a hand in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dr. Turman, what I discovered was it is so beautiful to do it that way because, and I'm so happy the Spirit guided me to do it that way because when Deirdre will do what's called the first mix, you know, she'll have the, you know, my my little recording of me playing the classical guitar, guitar uh, during my song, and then I'll I'll send her in a scan the, the lyrics with the chords written out on top, and mm-hmm. so she'll write the lead sheet, she'll send it to me, I'll approve of it, and then she'll do the first mix of the recording, and she'll send mm-hmm. it to me, and she'll mm-hmm. say, "What do you think? You know, this is my take on it." You know. Every time, and I mean every time she has done that, immediately I notice that the spirit just exploded in Deirdre in her interpretation and in her um, arrangement. It's so beautiful, so far beyond what I was imagining. Because as a musician, I'm kind of imagining like, oh, she'll probably do this, you know, she'll probably Mm -hmm. do that. She'll probably do a harmony at this part. She'll probably do... Uh, an echo over here. She'll probably do a lead solo over here, have David do a lead solo over here. You know, I'm thinking in my mind what she'll probably do. And then when I get the first mix, I see she she did nothing of what I was thinking, and yet it's a hundred times better than what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I could have never come up with that. I had Mm -hmm. to leave it open and take that risk of not going Mm -hmm. with a idea of the arrangement leave it open to the spirit to walk through another christian mm-hmm. catholic soul that's working in the spirit as well and that's how you get the maximum like if you look at our website and you look at the review from Allegia, we mm-hmm. had a stunning review from Allegia for the album mm-hmm. and i see that as the fruit of the spirit of inviting the spirit and being open and taking the risk to allowing the spirit uh, to be involved in, in a maximum way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's so yeah, I'm so happy that uh, that uh, we're we're all working <laughs> with the spirit and we're all open and you know. So Deirdre will say, you know, here's the first mix. You tell me what you think. So I write back. I say, Deirdre, it's awesome, man. Just keep doing what you do. You know, the spirit's alive. He's at work. You know, just oh. just do it. You know, just continue in this vein, you know, and so she'll go on to the second mix where, you you know, maybe she'll add a little element of percussion or add a little element instead of like two people doing a background vocal, maybe she'll have three, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she'll send the second mix, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like awesome, just do it, I mean, just get the master done, just cut the thing and release it, you know, so um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. And it's a, a spiritual experience, and um, and so we're just hoping that that these singles, you know, I'm I'm working on three songs right now, and uh, you know, working on songs is uh, is a labor of love, and it can be fun. It's always challenging, 
And uh, I wouldn't say that it's really hard, but you do have to apply yourself. You have to be aware. You have to be conscious. You have to listen to yeah. the music. That's one of the reasons why I'm here at this uh, little uh, bungalow that a benefactor lets me l- use. It's a, just a tiny little bungalow. It's a, literally one room with, mm-hmm. with a, a full bathroom. And, uh, but the bungalow is completely made out of wood, outside and inside. The, all the walls and, and this entire ceiling is made out of cedar wood, and uh, it has um, two enormous sliding glass doors, and they're mm-hmm. covered with a very heavy curtain. So you talk about an acoustical dream come true. Yeah. Well, this casita, it's, we call it La Casita de San Francisco, the little house of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the backyard of the benefactor. It's here in Laredo, Texas, right on the border of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so when I want to do any writing, uh, whether it's a book or music, I come to La Casita de San Francisco, and uh, especially for music, and I work on the music. I work on the chord progressions. I work on the lyrics. I work on the intros. I work on on the bridges, and I, and I listen to the music, and I listen and listen, and I work on it. I try to find what's the most beautiful, what's the most, you know, really, what's the best composition for these lyrics, and, and so I work on the lyrics, and, and believe it or not, that takes time, Dr. Tulin, that, that, sure. that ta- you can't, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you, I mean, if you just want to whip out a song, you know, like a, like a, a commercial jingle or something like that, I mean, I guess you could do that in a couple of days or something like that, but, if you're working on a song that you want to move hearts, you want it to touch the spirit of your brothers and sisters, you really have to let it germinate. You have to let it gel. Yeah. You, ha- you almost let it have to let it. It has a life of its own. You have to let it emerge on its own terms. Mm-hmm. And that can take, that could take a, literally a couple of months. That's what I was thinking. I was going to say months. <laughs> no, you're right, Dr. Tune. That That generally takes... It takes me usually at least three months to compose a song. Now, I can work on songs, I can work on a number of songs at the same time. Sometimes I have to because the inspiration for the song just comes. You know, sometimes you'll wake up with the, with the chorus melody in your mind and you just, I just grab my guitar, I turn on my laptop, I record it so I don't forget it. And sometimes the lyrics come like that, other times they come a little bit more slowly but the whole thing emerges in a very beautiful, kind of serene way, but you can't really force it. You can't rush it. It has a life of its own, and you have to just let it live. <laughs> you kind of have to let it be born. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then it, the coolest thing is when it is gelled, when it is what it is and what it was meant to be, you know it. Mm-hmm. Interiorly, you actually know it. It's like a, it's like a sense you get. You're like... You don't say to yourself, is it done? Do I, do I think it's done? You just play it through and you say, it's done. Yeah. It's ready. <laughs> and, then I, and then I record it and I send it to Deirdre, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful experience, really. It's a, it's a lot of fun, too, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think any creative process um, within the faith, is going to be like that. I mean, I know even writing in my own autobi- uh, my memoir, not autobiography, but I was writing my memoir. Oh. And it was like, cool. one day I just realized, that's done. 
isn't finished. That <laughs> yeah. So you've had that experience as well. Yeah, yeah. I have. I never had anything where I woke up thinking of something. No, but um, I would work on it. And, you know, every once in a while I'd be tired of working on it and I'd stop. And when I went back, I was fresh, you know. Yeah. Um, like a month later. And, um, yeah, it took me a long while to write it. It's a brutal, brutal memoir. But um, Sebastian well, I can't is, wait to is, read it. When, when is it going to be published, do you think? Uh, Sebastian said it would be uh, January, but I believe January ends in three days. <laughs> you know, which I is fine. Think. I know how busy he is. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it'll be coming out. I, I, it's basically the story of... Uh, learning how to forgive my mother who uh, had tried to chemically abort me back in 1949. So, um, yeah, so, but I think in general, if you're working within the faith, um, I mean, obviously, if you're just making a, you know, a song for fun or you're writing a short story for fun, that's, that's different. But if you're actually working uh, trying to get something right because it is involved with the faith or it could help people to see something in the faith. I think the process that you're describing is probably common to all of the creative work we do within the faith. You know, I think you're, I think you're right because, mm-hmm. you know, I've noticed uh, what you just described in writing your memoir mm-hmm. about sometimes you're either... By, by circumstance or by choice, you're, you're, you take a break from the writing and then you come back to it and you feel very fresh and you have, mm-hmm. you have a lot of fresh ideas. I've noticed the same thing is true with, uh, with music. Mm-hmm. I've noticed the same thing in writing my books, but I've also noticed the same thing applies uh, with music. If, uh, if ministry calls and uh, I'm taking away from the music for whether it's a few days or even a, a week or two, maybe I have to go into Mexico to to do something, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I don't get to the guitar or to the music. But then when I come back to it, I notice that yeah. it has been developing uh, in my unconscious mind, I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It has actually been, or just being, uh, just being away from it is refreshing in and of itself, you know, because new ideas and a new sense of the music, uh, you know, sort of is, is, is born. And so yeah. I'll come back to the music and I'll say, whoa, now I know what, what exactly to do with this part. I mean, it's, it's just like right there on the tip of my, of my mind, as it were. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think when we're working in, at, well, look, we're Christians, you know, we're believers. Mm-hmm. We live in the spirit. So mm-hmm. that, that, that comes into play. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not about to say that my song is some sort of, you know, like scripture or something. You know, we all know it's not that. But by the same token, we do live in the Spirit. We do welcome the Spirit uh, to be a part of, of everything we do, especially uh, the things that we do for God, the creative things. And so, yeah, I, I think a break from whatever it is, writing, whatever creative endeavor it is, uh, a break uh, is very helpful. Yeah. And also, I also find that I will be trying to communicate something and I'll think I've got it down perfect and I'll say, okay, I'm done for today or this week or whatever. And then I go back and it's like, no, that's not right. You know, and I mean, I'll actually have that thought, no, that's not right. Like God said, nope, not quite. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, I'll see a different way of putting it, you know, so yeah. because 
with music and with any language, it's the same thing. It's precision. Yes. You know, you've got to have precision. You've got to have exactly the right notes, the right beat. Um, I don't know if that's what you call them. Um, yeah. and just like I have to have the right word, uh, the right phrasing. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah, yes. so it takes, it, it takes time. Well, there's, there's revision. I mean, even in music, mm-hmm. there's revision. I mean, you, you get it to a point where you uh, feel the major parts of the composition uh, are there. They're, they're mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. And so then as you start to work through it over and over again, you start to realize you're, you need to fine-tune it, to tweak it, to fine-tune it. And so you realize that, hey, you know what? This word is good. But I think this word, this other word, is actually better. You know, yes. it jibes better with this other phrase, or you know, and and sometimes you'll do that with a chord. You'll say, you know, you know, this chord is good, but guess what? This diminished chord actually is better. It actually suits the composition better. It fits better overall. You know, and so there are false starts. I remember starting uh, songs that I thought was um, I'll have an inspiration for. A melody, you know, maybe just, I never have the entire inspiration for the entire melody, but sometimes you'll have a very strong inspiration for, like, let's say, um, the chorus or the first verse of a potential song. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you'll, you'll work with that for a few days, and then you'll have this sense that, you know what, this is a false start. This is not, this is not a workable melody. I, I just, it's just not. You know, and you just know in your gut that you thought it was, you tried it, you fooled around with it, and it's it's a no go. It's just it's not it. You know, mm-hmm. and you just have that sense. And so sometimes you do have to experiment, and it yeah. just doesn't come like absolutely certain every time. And so that's just part of the whole. That's just part of the creative process. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I also think, though, that our creative process within the faith is kind of guided. Um, mm-hmm. now, yes. Again, it's not like we're inspired to write scripture or something. But I right. know that there were false starts that I had when I was writing the memoir, and it took me a long time to figure out what the path of the memoir would be, whether or not I was going to use people's real names. You know, yes. I mean, and it's like over time, it's like I just knew what the right thing to do was. I don't know if I want to call it inspiration or the create. I don't think it was just the creative process. Yes. I think yes. It was well, that's why I was saying as, as yeah. Christian creators, you know, as people who believe and uh, invite God into every aspect of our lives, you know, so therefore we're basically living in the spirit. Everything we do, I mean, in a little while I'm going to fix uh, some dinner, you know, here in Laredo, it's an hour different from where you are. But in a little while, an hour or two, I'm going to fix some dinner. Well, it's probably going to be a creative process, you know. <laughs> I look in the cupboard here in the casita, and, and I see what I have, and I say, well, I'll do a little of this. I'll do... So the whole, you know, the, the whole thing is going to be a creative thing. And so everything we do, you know, is is a, is, is a creative thing where, uh, who knows how involved the spirit is or isn't, you know. It's not like, we're, you know, there's like some sort of monitor where it's, okay, he's uh, 60% involved in this meal, whereas yesterday it was only 10%, you know. We just move and live, you know, it, like, yeah. like in the liturgy. 
we in him we live and move and have our being you know mm-hmm. so however it all works out it works out you know that's the right. bottom line it all works out and it's all good okay. and and okay. you know like you said in your memoir you know sometimes uh you know, you're, you're writing and you're saying, well, you know, maybe this, uh, I don't like this too much. Let me think about this. Maybe, I, maybe I'll change it, you know. Uh, maybe there's a better way to start this chapter or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even what you do or do not want to include or how much of it you want to include, you know. So it's, exactly. it's an interesting process. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Dr. Uh, Tulin, I mean, writing, you know, I remember the last book I wrote, uh, The Redemption of San Isidro, um, mm-hmm. I remember going through a lot of hoops with that, you know, and and sometimes it's very challenging or very difficult because the options, you know, if you know the allusion I made before to like a like a kind of a monitor, you know, that would would regulate, you know, the the options and monitor like the creative process. I remember, you know, thinking, my gosh, this writing thing is so difficult because. There's so many options. I could talk about this or I could talk about that. I could say it this way or I could say it that way. Uh, I could do it in, at this part in the chapter or I could do it in that part. There's so many options. Therefore, there's so many decisions that have to be made. It's amazing that anyone can write a book, period. You know? You know you're right. <laughs> but you're just eliminating so many, and you're doing this in a nanosecond when you're writing, whether it be literature or music. You're yeah. eliminating how, how many options and how many different things that you could, you know, could possibly say and the way you could say them. You're eliminating with every word you write, with every sentence you write, you're eliminating all these multiple options and settling in on one, and you're doing it all in a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. Just a, really amazing when you think about it. It is. It is. Yeah. And then when it's all done and you look at it and you read through it and you're like, wow, man, this is good. How did I do that? You know, and so it's, that's the whole wonder of being creative. It's, a, it's such yeah. a blessing to be creative, you know. Uh, it's a, it, you're right. It is a difficult process, though, because I remember a couple of times I thought, you know, maybe I'm just not smart enough to do this. <laughs> yes, I've been there. <laughs> in the garbage. <laughs> Forget it. Exactly. Well, it's true, you know. It, yeah. You know, it's true. Until it all comes together, you know, mm-hmm. until it's, as I say, or, you know, there's other words, but as it gels, when it comes together and you kind of sit back and you look at it and you're like, wow, I like mm-hmm. it. I yeah. like it. It's like an artist looking at the at the canvas, you know, when they work hard on a, on a production and and then they, you know, get it to where they want it and they sit back and they look at it and say, you know, it's really nice. I really like it. It's beautiful, you know. So, uh, anyway, so we're just hoping that the that the singles. As I said, this is the first in the singles. I have three uh, in the pipeline, as it were, that I'm working on. You know, and as I said, I can work on songs at the same time. That's not a problem for me. I've done it before, and not only is that not a problem, it's something that I have to do because um, the songs just come when they want. And so, you know, if a song comes to me today and, and then like five days from now another song comes, well, I'm not going to reject it. I, um, you know, I'll, I'll work on it a little bit now and then. So I'm working on these three songs simultaneously, and they're completely different songs. I mean, each song has its message, has its own uh, sort of melody, its own tune. 
And yet, I enjoy working on them, and little by little, one of them is just about gelled. I just have to work it a little bit more, and it'll be kind of gelled. And so that song will probably come out, I don't know, I don't know if it'll be out in Valentine's Day, probably more like Ash Wednesday or Easter. We'll have mm-hmm. to see, and then, and then the others after that, you know, will, they'll come out. So anyway, just keep tuned uh, to the listeners. Just keep tuned to the brothersister.net website. I will. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, check in on it, and you'll see a new single, <clears throat> God Willing. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so I don't know what more I can say about the song. I mean, it's just, you know, well, for the listeners, you know, the, the chorus is, um, I know you're there. And then the backup singer says, uh, or singers say, deep inside of me. And then the mm-hmm. main vocalist says, you're love to share. And then the backup singer says, um, open my eyes to see. And mm-hmm. then... The main vocalist, Deirdre, says, within my heart, you're the main part inside of me. So that's the chorus, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I know you're there deep inside of me. Your love to share, open my eyes to see. Within my heart, you're the main part inside of me. Mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's the, the main message of the song in the nutshell, is that, mm-hmm. you know, just, Lord, give me the grace, give me the faith to not be afraid to to look within myself and to find that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's, there, there's, uh, you're there, you know, and that's, and, and when I find you there, I find you everywhere. You know, right. when I find you within, I can see you in everybody else. I can see you in your creation. I can see you uh, in your church. I can see you everywhere. And, and then uh, I can see that, you know, life is a gift. I can see my own being, my own life, as coming directly from your heart, from your love, and I understand myself completely differently, and therefore I understand everyone else differently. And it opens your heart up to to uh, to be to be as Saint Francis, uh, as Saint Francis, as Pope Francis said, uh, to be more gentle, to be more tender, to be more compassionate, because you see how whether a person knows it or not. Whether a person has completely fallen away from God and is completely wrapped up in the world and is just an utter worldling, it doesn't matter. They still belong to God. They still, and you see that. They don't see it, you know, but you see it. You see it, you know, and so you can be very loving and very compassionate with all of God's creatures, with all of his children, with creation, and... uh, so I think this is where Pope Francis is leading us, is, is to a mm-hmm. deeper interior life, a deeper communion mm-hmm. uh, with God who, who essentially lives within. And that's the mm-hmm. song. That's great. Yeah. I'm very, very happy with, uh, with what you're doing. I think uh, it's going to result in a lot of good fruit. I really hope so, uh, Dr. Tone. Mm-hmm. The same thing for you. Um, looking forward to the release, publication mm-hmm. of your work. And uh, mm-hmm. so would you like me to wrap this up now with a little blessing yes. of some sort? <clears throat> a prayer, please. Blessings, yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I call down your blessing on Dr. Tulin and on her work and also, Father, on all of our listeners you know them all. You know each one of them by name. 
Father, at the beginning of this new year, I ask you, Father, to bless your children, to bless each and every one of them with your grace and with your peace. I ask you, Father, to make them one with you as you are one with them. I ask you, Father, to allow Dr. Tulin and all of her listeners to live more in Jesus risen from the dead than they live in this passing world. And I ask this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for granting me this interview, and I hope that uh, you'll get in touch with and you have another song, and we'll do another one. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Tulin. I certainly will do that. Okay. You take care, Father. Okay. We'll see you now. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Hello, God's Beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.